Welcome to Polymathic Being, a place to explore counterintuitive insights across multiple domains. These essays take common topics and explore them from different perspectives and disciplines, and in doing so, come up with unique insights and solutions. Maximizing Authority Through Leadership, Part 2. Today's topic is the last in a series on leadership. Part 1, Leading Without Authority, breaks apart a common trope and reorients a better understanding of authority. Part 2, How to Maximize Authority Through Leadership, explored techniques to maximize your leadership potential through organizational alignment. This, a follow-on to the previous, will explore maximizing authority through your own leadership. In How to Maximize Authority Through Leadership Part 1, we discuss four ways to maximize the authority from the sponsor. This is the authority derived indirectly or outside the team. To ensure clarity, I want to reiterate one point. Authority comes from one source, the individual. We explored this topic in Leading Without Authority and identified that authority from the individual comes through two channels, directly from the individual and indirectly through the organization and the sponsor. Now we will discuss how to maximize authority directly from your team by focusing on the individuals. As a young officer in the Army, I was placed in charge of a platoon of soldiers. As we trained up for deployment to Iraq, three things became very clear to me. Number one, my decisions literally had life and death consequences for my soldiers. Number two, my soldiers were armed and capable of preventing bad decisions. And number three, I always owed my soldiers the why, because when the what or how failed, they'd figure it out. My hierarchical authority, based on rank, military structure, and the Uniform Code of Military Justice, were inconsequential when leveraged to ask an 18-year-old soldier to stack up and kick into the door in the face of an armed enemy. Leveraging only that hierarchical or sponsor-derived authority alone might result in the second observation I made. The soldiers are armed and know how to deal with bad leadership. I had to convince my soldiers to cede additional authority to me, fully knowing that they may not walk out alive, but trusting, based on the history of my leadership, that if they were to make the ultimate sacrifice, it wouldn't have been in vain. So how does one build this history of leadership to maximize individual authority? First, lead by example. Authority granted is an element of followership. Individuals will only cede the baseline authority required by the hierarchy, culture, circumstances, and personal interest in the effort. This is rarely enough to ensure success. Leading by example goes back to the dictionary definition of leadership where terms such as personal manner, recognized knowledge, personal expertise, and extensive or specialized knowledge come into play over the hierarchical terms such as power, orders, and enforcement. Leading by example is returning to your team the same behaviors you desire from them, but with an eye on the goal and a strategic vision to get there. There's a catch to leading by example where as you mature from immediate towards senior team leadership, you have to balance the right level of hands-on involvement and what example you're trying to set. I've seen too many leaders at higher levels who can't let go of the details. 
the skill of leadership at higher levels is to create a network effect of expertise and to focus on key behavior areas lest you risk being myopic on only what you know or pedantic on the level of detail you demand. A key part of this network effect is to enable your teams even if you lack the specific skills or knowledge. Second, be an enabler. As a leader, removing obstacles lends one of the highest returns on credibility and dedication and therefore authority. If you lead by example, by smashing your face into obstacles over and over and expecting the same from your teams, you are not enabling. Simply put, enabling is ensuring the least friction, distraction, and interference for your team throughout execution. This is an example we captured in Lazy Leadership. The proverbial sewage always flows downhill. As a leader, you must recognize that within that sewage are nuggets of gold. An enabling leader will get themselves dirty finding, cleaning, and handing only the gold to the team. Enabling is also providing leadership opportunities to your team, ceding them authority, and allowing them to take proactive steps towards the vision bound by the goals and expectations. Third, set and hold goals and expectations. Tie your goals and expectations for your team to the assignment definition you used to increase your authority from your customer from part one to ensure unified effort in your team. Clear goal breakdown, ownership, and understanding of task interdependencies increase the team's knowledge of the task and confidence to execute. Following this up with recognition and praise for meeting and exceeding the goals improves motivation to continue execution even in the most trying situations. Also recognize that as much as you are holding accountability down, you also have to hold accountability up and across the organization. Protecting your team, ensuring they are supported and enabled by what was promised, is a crucial element of setting and holding goals and expectations and shows that you respect the team. Fourth, give, don't demand respect. There are a multitude of topics to cover on this one, so I'll hit on a few overlooked yet critical elements. Respect for time. Short, frequent, and poignant meetings show that you care about your team's time. Reduction of reports and the establishment of systems that can provide proactive measures leave more time for your team members to do value-added work. Level load the effort and hold to the roles and responsibilities even if that requires your engagement with a leadership challenge. This ensures in the long term that your entire team's performance improves evenly and reduces imbalances in effort. Respect for personal issues. Get to know your team. Know the birthdays. Know the basics of their job and engage in small talk. This shows care about the team member and is more effective when tied to respect for time. Let the team bring their whole selves to work because you can't separate the two and you shouldn't separate the two. Respect for skills and experience. Mark a clear distinction between quantified skills and a team member's perception of skills. Always strive for, for professional development in your team. Don't accept or reject inputs based on the person. Enable them to prove themselves right or wrong. 
Never discredit a person, but ensure the case is proven on facts. Leverage the experience in your team for training of others. These aren't an exhaustive list, and there are many more flavors of respect, but the key is to give, not demand, respect. You can also show respect through engagement and involvement in a more personal setting by wandering around and checking in with them in informal engagements. Fifth, management by wandering around. This term was coined by Hewlett Packard in the 1970s and is still pertinent today. Walking around allows you to see the team in their environment. You can observe their engagement and you can ask them questions or hear their concerns on their turf. There is a suggestion that this should be spontaneous, but a leader is best advised to incorporate this into their standard practice. As you walk around, show respect in all the elements, and you will learn skills and experience by understanding what they do and how they do it. This is the concept of the Six Sigma Gemba Walk, a structured approach to ensure you are engaging the key elements at the point of work that are required to ensure success. In today's hybrid and remote work environments, this concept requires some more adaptable adjustments. Crafting specific collaboration time, being able to observe virtual meetings, and intentionally scheduling in-person time with the groups allows you to achieve similar results. I've often heard the phrase that someone led without authority, used as an accolade, but this is, fundamentally, a gross misunderstanding of leadership. Nowhere in my experience have I ever been able to lead without authority. To ensure success, I've always tried to lead with the utmost authority, and I did that by maximizing my authority from external structures of sponsorship and through leadership to maximize the authority from the individuals. These tips aren't intended to be a five steps program to gaining authority. They are just insights to help identify levers that I have found drive success. Leadership development is not constrained to one team or one effort, but is the culmination of an entire career. The phrase, your reputation precedes you, can be a huge advantage if it is based on a foundation of effective leadership. Confidence in leadership is directly correlated to the level of authority seated by an individual, whether they are the sponsor or a team member. I wrote these leadership essays almost 10 years ago. There's an irony here as I work through some leadership challenges today and retrospect on what could have gone better. Fundamentally, my current challenge boils down to a disconnect between the sponsor and team member authority granted. It's interesting because even knowing and being able to author these insights doesn't make actually achieving them easy. Something I might append to this essay, though it's worth its own topic, is that the stakeholders and team members who don't recognize where authority derives will often not understand why you're pushing for more organizational alignment or why you're pushing for more team accountability. We've never had to do that before, or in the end, no one cares about project planning in a JIRA board, it's about the results, are clear indications that neither the organization nor the people are willing to accede the authority required to achieve the goal at that time. The challenge here is that the reward structures are not aligned for efficient leadership. Until they are, the limited authority will always result in inefficiency. Thanks for listening to Polymathic Being. We'd love for you to subscribe on Substack at polymathicbeing.substack.com. 
where you can read, comment, and share these essays.